This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, my friend. It's Nate Kleber again. In this episode of That's a Job podcast, we get to talk to someone that is uh, new to my network circle, this one from the CAPS Network Group. I want you to meet uh, Connor Lotz, but uh, Connor is a part of a CAPS program while in high school, and now I guess you could say he sells airplanes, something like that. Something Uh, like that. (laughs) Something like that. We'll see how much he can actually uh, tell us. But uh, we'll talk more about CAPS and the influence that program has had on him and his pathway since then. But uh, Connor, welcome to the show. That's a job podcast. Thank you very much, Nate. It's great being on here today. Well, you know, in this in this uh, podcast or this show, I like to talk about jobs that are interesting to people. And some people have heard of these jobs, some have not. Some are like, okay, how did you get that job? So, you know, different pathways for for many different people. But I'm going to dive right in with the first question I always ask. You're coming out of high school, had been through CAPS. Uh, where did you think you were going? And what pathway do you feel like was defined for you or where you thought you were going to go? Yeah, so I I was not one of the ones who changed my major every other semester. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to business school. I knew that because of my CAPS experience in my past, like that's what I wanted to do was business. Now, more specifically, what I had wanted to do was finance. Um, I always wanted to be that that corporate investment banker, that guy on Wall Street, you know, dress up in that suit and tie every single day. But as you can see, that did not happen, and that's okay because, like I said. Every journey, it's not really a straight path. So do I have any aspirations to go be a corporate banker now based on what I know eight years later? No, I do not. Uh, I love my job. Um, and based on what I've heard, I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at here. <laughs> so talk through it. Why, give me the reason corporate banking. You, know, you, you told that to somebody. There's got to be some thought or path or what it was, why you thought investment banking was where you're going to go. So we, when we were in CAPS, we were always kind of researching uh, different career opportunities. Like, and naturally, like the, the question that people Google the most is, hey, what positions or what professions make the most money? And corporate banking was always up there with the doctors, the lawyers, the dentists. But it was kind of like, a, it was more of an aspiration where it's like, we all looked at each other we're like, yeah, like, yeah, we want to do that. Like, I want to make a lot of money. I want to have that, those cool cars, those big houses, like everybody wants that. And so those were kind of the aspirations that we pursued. But I mean, obviously it's the 0.02% that actually gets that position. You know, it's just, as hard to get into corporate finance banking, investment banking, as it is kind of like getting in the NFL. It's a little, little less tedious on the body. Well, maybe, but you never know. Well, not quite Wolf of Wall Street uh, <laughs> is where you're at, but talk through you know, I, I guess let me rewind here. And, and those of you that are you listening to this and you hear us say CAPS. So CAPS stands for the Center for Advanced Professional Studies. I actually uh, do some work with the one in uh, Northeast Iowa and Cedar Falls and the Cedar Valley and help support our Iowa CAPS program, uh, which I would define as profession-based learning. And, and in our program, and, and Connor, you can, you can interject from your experience, but getting a chance to go outside the classroom and go work with real people and real professions and and work on durable skills, that type of thing with, with students, you know, in the, in this area that I'm in now, we'll probably have 350 students involved in the program. And now I think there's 82 programs around the world and thousands and thousands of students. And you were one of those alumni, but talk about, you know, your high school program, your caps program, what that experience was. Cause I'm sure people are like, okay, I, uh, 
I've heard Nate talk about this before. What more is this? And then I'm sure there are people listening going, God, I wish I had that when I was in high school. And I wish my kids could get in something like that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of touch on my CAPS experience and kind of help you guys understand what it actually did for us as a person. So CAPS itself really allowed me to envision myself in the business environment. It gave me the opportunities to go view these different sectors of business, health, sciences, engineering. And like I said, I, I chose the global business route because I, I was always intrigued with kind of like the international trade, the ethics behind it, and really just kind of understanding how businesses actually operate. So it kind of gave me the real life experience that I needed to kind of put me at an advantage. And I would say definitely a big advantage against other applicants within college. Because by the time I'd entered college, I had already had two, three internships under my belt because I had been doing caps for a year and a half. Um, so it kind of gives you the one up on everyone else around you, given that they're not in the CAPS program. It teaches you hard skills such as public speaking, understanding uh, formal etiquette for business meetings, uh, note taking, just kind of basic generic skills that you typically don't learn till later in life. But if we can bring those down and kind of teach you how to be able to flourish better as a business focal, again, I'm speaking on behalf of the business program because that's the one I went through the most. But it kind of shows all of the hard work that paid off. And like I said, I'm a product of the CAPS environment and I wouldn't change anything. So, yeah, we, uh, Connor, and I met here uh, at the CAPS Network summer huddle here in St. Louis uh, that took place this, this past summer. And, you know, just getting a chance to connect, it, whether it was at the session or after the, or before or after the session or during. And then, you know, even during the Cardinals game that we, uh, we wouldn't experience too, uh, just hearing your story and your pathways. I think it's it's compelling to instructors that were there and probably other people along the way when you talk about the experience you got in high school. And now we're going back, what, uh, six, eight years, something like that? Oh, yeah, to age myself. You know, we're going back yeah, about eight years yeah. here. Yeah, watch out that 10-year class reunion's knocking <laughs> on your door, Connor. But I, I want to even go back any further. Was there any question about taking CAPS you know, at, at Blue Valley? Because you were, you were in the Overland Park areas where you took that in Kansas or in the Kansas City area. Was there a question of what, I don't know what this is. I'll try it. You know, was yeah. there any wavering on that? So thinking back to it, we actually had the CAPS recruiters. They would, CAPS recruiters, I'll, I'll phrase it like that. Some of the CAPS professionals, they would come to our middle school and start getting us excited about this cool opportunity that you can do when you're a junior, when you're a senior. So they planted the seed kind of like at an earlier age. And we're like, oh, well, that sounds awesome. But that's two, two, three years away. Like I, I'm not going to be able to do that. Like I don't have, I don't know how to plan my life. But then when you get to high school, you see some of these CAP students rolling back in suit and tie. They're coming back in their scrubs from the health profession. The teachers are coming back with all their book bags and all their paintings or drawings, everything else that they've been teaching. And you kind of look at that and you go, well, where, where were they? What, what were they doing? Like, so we have an offsite CAPS facility where the students would go travel for half the day, spend half the day there and then do half the classes like at their home base high school. So you would see these people and be like, I want to be like them. That looks fun. Like, I don't want to be in school the, the whole day. Like I want to go explore, meet new people, understand, like find out what my passions are. So there was no necessarily hesitations. There was more aspirations is how I'm going to phrase it. Uh, you wanted to be part of that group. You wanted, you saw that and you're like, yeah, that's, that's something I'm interested in doing. Now, 
when you get there, you got to choose a pathway. But that's the whole point is exploring different pathways and being like, what do I want to do with my life? So that was a really good trade off there. And it, it, it definitely benefited. So you get through there, you graduate, uh, you know, I think the story you said was you thought you were going to be a Jayhawk and you end up, being, <laughs> uh, you know, going to Mizzou uh, and, and being a cat instead, you know, and, and talk through that uh, of deciding and there's parents out, you know, a parent listening to this, a student listening to this, a grandparent, whoever making that college choice, you know, it's still somewhat fresh in your mind and you're oh, also yeah. getting some extra education right now. You know, talk about through making that choice and, and angling of, of what you felt like you needed to do and even get into your grad stuff that you're in now, why you're doing that and what that can mean. Yeah, of course. So when I was, I guess, I, in the way, the sense I was born and raised a Jayhawk my entire life, I was always going to go to KU. Like that was the thing you did from Kansas. You're going to KU or K-State. Those are your options for colleges in, in the state of Kansas, just like I said, based on the region that I'm at. But then something happened my senior year. Um, we were doing college visits and stuff like that. And I, I kind of looked at my parents. And I was like, well, if I'm a tiger now, how can I be a tiger in college? And so we went to go visit Mizzou and I, I absolutely just fell in love with the campus. So we had an entire weekend there. We got to explore the campus, go to the game um, and really kind of understand what Mizzou was about. And I, like I said, I fell in love. I looked at my dad and I was like, dad, I want to be a tiger. I got, I got to make this happen. So we went back to the drive. How does that go over as a a Jayhawk family? How does that go over well? So he is a a fair weather fan. He is a MU football fan and a KU basketball fan. So I was born and raised, I guess, split to a degree, but I mean, you know how hard it is to cheer for KU football. I'm so sorry, guys. It's just... (laughs) I went through the tough seasons. I remember 2008, and that was it, the Mark Mangino era. But other than that, the KU football, we couldn't support it. So Mizzou football, that kind of like, again, that captivated me. And I was like, that looks fun. I wanna, I'm going to go join the SEC here like they did. And so that's kind of the background on deciding for colleges. Now, obviously, there was a lot more in the background that went into it, like uh, scholarships, how I can do this. I actually ended up writing Mizzou a strongly worded letter uh, to their admissions office saying, hey, yes, I'm a Kansas resident, but here is why you should waive my out-of-state tuition. And this is, a, this is part of the story that I don't usually tell people because I don't think they do this anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't really know. But they ended up, I got a phone call. I was on my way home from my Black and Beach internship uh, through CAPS. And I got a phone call from the Mizzou admissions office. And they so, hey, is this Connor Lots? And I go, yeah, is this Connor Lots? They go, yeah, this is the uh, University of Missouri calling. Uh, we just wanted to let you know that we're awarding you your out-of-state scholarship. And I go, <laughs> I was speechless because I didn't really know what that meant at the time, like from a monetary perspective. I'm a high school student. I don't know. I don't even know what a 401k is at that point. And they said that. And I go, oh, cool. Sounds great. And that was the end of the conversation. I didn't know what was going on. Fast forward, I get the email and it's like they had waived a ton of money, given me a much nicer scholarship just because I wrote them a letter saying, hey, this is my GPA. This is my ACT. This is my class rank. Here's my extracurricular activities. This is, this is why I want to come to the University of Missouri. So I really got to put a story behind the person itself who they were getting as an incoming student. So that was undergrad. And like I said, I wouldn't change it for a thing. I'd go back to the University of Missouri every single time I, I absolutely could. I got nothing, nothing against KU, nothing against Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, still went there quite a bit because all my friends went there. But Columbia, Columbia is definitely home for, for my undergrad. 
So you, you come out of Columbia, you're looking at job options. What were you looking at? What were some things that were being presented to you or that you sought out to, to pursue after college yeah. graduation or your undergrad? So after undergrad, I was going to be graduating with a marketing sales uh, and customer development. And I also had a drone aviation factor into that. So it's like, I, I understood what aerospace was, but I didn't really know. Um, and this is one of the things I tell students still today when I go back and talk, I go, look at what school you want to go to. And if you want to go into like the business world, look at what feeder jobs and feeder companies come and visit those career fairs. Like who, who sponsors your school? So for example, Boeing was a massive sponsor for the University of Missouri. They were at every single career fair. They were all over plastered like sponsors um, for sporting events, any, any big events like homecoming. And so I, I didn't really look into Boeing until uh, it was closer towards graduation. I, I, always, wanted to, I always wanted to go into um, marketing sales, uh, pharmaceutical sales. Like I always thought I was going to be a sales guy. I, I was a talker. Like that's what I did. That's what I was passionate about. Um, so some of the companies I ended up looking at were uh, EJ Gallo, major brands. Like these are both like liquor distributor companies. Um, I was looking at uh, Cerner coming back home to Kansas City. Cerner has a big impact there. Boeing was on the list. Anheuser-Busch. Everybody wants to work for Anheuser-Busch. They, they siphon engineers from Mizzou. And you, it's like, that's a fun company to work for. It's like, it's like, oh, I get to go work with beer. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, that's the logic behind it, at least. So there were other companies that we were definitely looking at. But I mean, I'm, I'm only sitting here naming large companies. Um, there's a lot of really great small companies that come to Mizzou as well, like Veterans United. I, I've got people who work there and it's it year after year after year, it's rated the top company to work for in the state of Missouri. And I, I never hear anything negative about people like who, who work their positions there. So, well, it's interesting you bring up those companies, big names, small names, some people, you know, names that are brand and others maybe that aren't so much. But that's a key thing I think parents or even especially students forget after college, you do have to get a job. And sometimes yeah. you don't think about that till later on. Really kind of asking those questions probably of that college of, what companies come here to visit? What, where are your graduates, you know, where, where are people going to work? Is that, is that something you thought coming in or that all of a sudden was kind of a, a, a light bulb that opened up as you were getting junior, senior year at career fairs? Yeah, that didn't, that didn't come to a reality. So I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it like this. We had had, we had had career fair experience um, through caps. And so I kind of understood like how, how it worked, like what you did, you got to bring your resume, talk yourself up. Guess what? You've got 30 seconds to a minute to give your elevator speech. Why does this company want you to come work for them? You have to be able to sell yourself. And that's a lot of kids had had trouble with that where it's like I said, from the caps perspective, I'd been doing that for four years at that point. I knew my elevator speech. I knew what I've done, what I can do, what I'm capable of. What reaction uh, did you get from recruiters with that? Cause you walk up, uh, you walk up after somebody who doesn't have their elevator speech, maybe has just pieced together a resume and yours has been, uh, continue to be finely tuned. What kind of reaction did you get from some recruiters? Um, we get, I mean, obviously I'm going to just talk it up here. We get positive reactions where it's like, where, where did you, where did you learn to speak like that? How did you learn to do all of this? I'm like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a cap student. Like I actually still had that on my resume at that point in time. I was like, Hey, here's everything that I've done through caps. Like Here's my hard skills, my soft skills, what I've learned, what I'd like to learn even at that point. But the reactions from the, the recruiters was always pretty fun because they could tell that you were an adult. They would, could tell that you were mature 
to the next level to be an employee that they were looking for. So that was, like I said, that was a lot of fun. I also, it's it, walking up to recruiters, kind of like putting on a show for a minute every single time. It's not for everyone, but it is fun to do. So, so you, you, you find that opportunity, Boeing offers you something, especially uh, in, the, in, I guess, somewhat close to, to home in the St. Louis area now. Talk through that process of, you know, the role that you got into and, you know, where the pathway can go in a big company like that, uh, which has its pros and cons, I'm sure, uh, in, a, in a big company. But talk through onboarding and into Boeing and, and the, how you've progressed through the company now to the stuff you get to be a part of. Yeah. So I, I still have the photo that I took the day of the career fair. There was one number written down on a piece of loose leaf notebook paper and the recruiter goes, you need to apply for this position. And so I typed in that number and long behold, there's this position that pops up on the Boeing application page. And I was like, okay, procurement agent, I'm buying airplane parts. I've never bought airplane parts in my life. How hard could it be? So we, we, I went ahead and looked at that and I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's just like sales kind of, but the opposite side. And so I applied, I got my interview. I wouldn't say I necessarily killed my interview, but I definitely showed kind of like who I was and what I was. So for those who aren't familiar with the interview process at Boeing, they use something called the STAR method. It's a pretty standardized interview method. It is situation, task, action, and results. So they ask you to phrase your answers in basically a four-step process. And that's how they evaluate you. So if you don't know anything about the STAR method going into an interview, you're going to have a bad time. Um, so did you, did you know about the star method? I had heard about the star method and I did not have my answers prepared in such a way that you should, uh, reiterate them in the star method way. So I still got the point across, just not in the method that they would have preferred. So that is, that is definitely something I learned the hard way. Uh, and we still do the star interview today, um, for any, anytime you go for promotion or you try and switch positions, like you're going to be doing the star interview method. And like I said, it's pretty standard. You can learn it, you can perfect it. And as long as you deliver in the way that they want those questions delivered, you're going to be okay. Well, it's interesting. They gave you that, you know, I guess it's a position requisition number or something that gets sent to HR uh, and you pull it up. But if somebody at Mizzou, your junior year said, or you said, they said, you should be a procurement agent. I would think you'd be like, what are you talking about? I had absolutely no idea what the word procurement meant before that wreck. Um, so I would have just assumed it would have been like buyer, buyer one, buyer two. Like I, I was thinking more generic like that, but procurement agent, that makes it sound super official. So it sounds so important there. A little, like, yeah. little far away from, uh, from Wall Street banker. Yeah. yeah. Procurement we, agent. We, we strayed pretty far away from corporate banking at that point. Um, so I guess fast forwarding, uh, the irony of that story is I was at KU uh, when I received my call from Boeing offering me a position to move to St. Louis. And obviously I said, hey, I'm going to need the weekend to review this with my family as I am currently with my friends at six o'clock on a Friday night here in Lawrence, <laughs> Kansas. Um, so that yeah, was you, the, weren't on, you weren't on a college visit or uh, yeah, that was, that or, was the or going there for, uh, for a church service. You were uh, <laughs> you were going to take in some culture. We were it was it was uh, beautiful, beautiful culture, arts everywhere. <laughs> Um, a lot of art, a lot of music. And so that's kind of how that worked. And um, 
two months later, they go, Hey, we, we need you here in two months. And I go, I'm graduating in a month and a half. I guess I can be there through two weeks after I graduate. So moved to St. Louis, stayed in a hotel for a week, found somewhere to live. And guess what? You're an adult. You're on your own. That's it. You're in the real world. You've got a job. You got to show up. You got to perform. And so that was the reality I had learned because um, I, I guess I didn't say this tidbit. I had graduated early. So it was in like the December timeframe. So it was February and I was working at Boeing, February 2nd, 2017, 18. I don't know. It gets misconstrued at this point. But the point being is that was it. You, you are in the real world. You had to learn how to go in quote unquote, be an adult. So you're adulting and you're in procurement. Uh, you probably, I, for whatever you can talk about, it's like you're learning airplane parts. But I guess I want to re- go back to when you looked at that job description. And this is what I invite students and really anybody looking at a job or trying to figure things out. It's like, let's pull up this job description. What stood out to you, if you can remember, that all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that would be something I would be interested. Do you remember what kind of stood out to you and in, in how that was all phrased or put together that maybe you, you wouldn't have said, looked at the title and said no. But when you looked at the description, you said, okay, yeah, maybe. It was, I, I do remember what captivated me. And it was the, the promise that you would get to travel 25 to 50% of the time. Now, as a, a young kid coming out of college, yeah, you'll want to travel. Like that's what you want to do. And so I looked at that and I was like, I'm in 10%, 25%, I'm in, sold. And that's, that was kind of the big aspect there because I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have any pets. I didn't have any like relationships that I like needed to attend to. I was me, myself, and I uh, taking on the world. I was like, yeah, send me, send me, send me anywhere in the country that mm-hmm. you want to, anywhere in the world. If you're paying for it, I'm going, I'm in. And didn't travel once. Did, did not travel once the entire time I was in that position. So when you look at that to people listening now, actually ask and be like, hey, will I have the opportunity to, or is this, is this just something that they say? So definitely, d- definitely interesting there. <laughs> so then uh, get through almost a couple of years there, it looks like, uh, as I'm looking at your LinkedIn and then just kind of, kind of progressed uh, a little bit in the last, uh, in, in your time there and recently took a new role, but talk about moving up the ladder, moving down the chain or up the chain of Boeing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about a little bit about being a procurement agent first. So a, a lot of it's managing the procurement process. You get put on these large contracts. I think the, the largest one I touched right out of college was about $45 million. And that's, that's money that you are spending for the Boeing company under your position. Like that is, you, you need to be able to, I guess, prepare and execute negotiation strategies on behalf of the company. And they do teach you uh, a lot of it's, you learn to drink from the fire hose and you understand like, what you're getting into later on, but you participate in kind of all these supply chain process improvements. Uh, you basically validate quantity schedules. So you are running your own little supply chain operation by yourself. Like this is, this is your desk. This is what you do. You know, your customers, you know, who you're, you're buying parts from. Yeah. You know, all their pain points, their schedules. So you get to establish a good customer base with the company there. And then after that, I, I kind of said, hey, I've, I've had enough of supplier management. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this, but what else can I do? Well, me being me, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go get a master's degree in supply chain management because I love supply chain so much. Whoo, that was a beautiful disaster is how I'm going to phrase that. So I went ahead and did that. And then I was like, yeah, actually, I don't want to be in supplier management anymore. I want to I go try finance because I want to be a corporate banker. Like, what's the closest thing to corporate banking in the Boeing company contracts. 
I went over to contracts and um, loved it. I loved what I did because it was a super, super unique contracting position. So for those who aren't familiar with contracts, it's basically now you're the face of the company. You're the one who's going out and acquiring business. You're, you're the one who is signing your name to deliver these contracts, but then the programs go and work. So you had to become more tedious with understanding what the contract values are. What are the terms and conditions? How can you negotiate a better contract for the Boeing company? And so I learned a lot during that time. And after my stint there, I kind of, like I said, created my own rotation program. I was like, what do I want to do next? Yeah, I have a marketing degree. Let's, let's go do sales and marketing for the Boeing company. And so that is currently where I'm at now. Uh, I'm a proposal project manager over here. Um, and now I get to touch more of the company. I get to go see all these different programs, all these different aspects. Um, I was now doing you're a- traveling. Finally yeah, traveling. I'm, I'm getting, getting the opportunity to go travel, um, go meet people, go influence. And kind of, again, uh, it, it's, it's going back to being able to put on a show, really understanding who you are, what you're talking about, and being knowledgeable and passionate about what you do. And so, yes, I'm, I'm getting the opportunities now that I, I wish I would have had when I was fresh out of college. So a person listening to this, uh, you know, they're, they're hearing your story and pathways, and there's a lot of good stuff in there when you're looking at looking at colleges or even how to take advantage of some opportunities within high school. And, and even when somebody presents you with uh, a, a, a job you should look at, you know, taking that all into account, where, where are you going? What's what's next? I know you, you're involved in uh, in another graduate program and MBA program, trying to see what that can can mean for you. I know I had that conversation. I said, I go, why? I, you remember? I go, why I do. are you I doing? Do why are you doing this? You know, why are you putting the time in to do this? And and you said, well, Boeing's paying for it. You know, take advantage of it. But even somebody out there who's looking at MBA and MBA, is it what it used to be? Probably not, but. There's connections, I think, that we talked about that that you can make through Indiana University, that MBA program. You know, talk through that. Uh, I think you said Mark Cuban is even one of the instructors through that program. Yeah. And so um, I, I went ahead and made the wild decision after I graduated from WashU here in St. Louis. I was like, well, what do I do now? I twiddled my thumbs for a little bit. I thought I wanted to go to Harvard and do a finance program up there because I'm still pursuing that finance dream. That finance dream still exists <laughs> in the back of my mind. It's this crazy aspiration. But then realistically, I sat down. I was like, I already have one specialized master's. How can I make myself a better leader, a better manager? Like, what can I go learn and how can I do this? And so after weeks and weeks and weeks of research, I was like, the Kelly School of Business at Indiana, that's, that's what I want to do. And that's where I want to go. And so I'm um, starting that up here, I guess, technically in five days next week. And so I'll be up at Indiana doing a hybrid MBA program there with a dual master's in strategic management. And I want to learn how to become a better leader, how to become a better manager. And I think, and I'll let you know here in about five years when I'm done, if I feel like I'm a better manager or a better leader, but that's, that's kind of, that's the aspirations of where I want to go. Eventually I would like to uh, work on a doctorate, have a dissertation, be a published author. Like these are all aspirations down the line. I've got a long time to go, but I'd like to go back and teach. What you're touching on there, and I, I think we talked about this too, of you, you identified yourself as your lifelong learner. You love yeah. learning things. So you could have, you, listening to this, somebody might say, God, why is he going back to school so much? Why, why are you wasting your money, wasting your time or even your company's money? But 
you are doing it almost for yourself, not necessarily to try and get a job uh, or that technical skill or whatever, but you know, there's some things along the way I think people forget in going to college that you learn outside of the textbook, outside of the classroom, uh, as far as developing yourself, but also the people that you get to meet and where that can go. Would you, would you say that? Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, the networking is a large aspect. Um, I always joke that my minor in undergrad was networking. Um, I spent more time than I should. Uh, Just like doing, that Friday night in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a networking, networking event. event. It was a networking event. And you know what? It paid off. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is in, in, when, you, when you're going through undergrad, those kids, connect yourself with the kids who sit in the front row. Connect yourself with the kids who are going and pursuing um, these exclusive clubs. I'm going to phrase it like that. I got rejected from business fraternities three times. And I realized, you know what? Maybe that's not something I need to do. And that's okay, because guess what? I still became friends with kids in the business school. I still became friends with those kids in the business fraternities. They were still able to impact me as a person in undergrad, and I still keep in touch with them today. Some of them I know are going to be super successful. So shooting them a happy birthday text every now and then be like, hey, <laughs> remember me? I'm still here. Let me know. It, it does make a difference. And so your network, you're, I don't want to say you're only as good as your network, but you are part of a network itself. And so having connections all over the country is absolutely fantastic. And that undergrad, your undergrad serves as a basis for your network. Even your high school friends serve as a basis for your network. And I don't want to get into preaching about how important the networking is, but yeah, go, go out for the one drink with your friend that's in town. Like, why not? You're going to see them maybe six, seven times the rest of your life. Go out for that drink on a Tuesday. That's, that's something I preach. Well, from the uh, the extra letter to Mizzou to save you tens of thousands of dollars in, in Mizzou uh, tuition, taking that skill set now into to contracts and proposals and things like that, that you've, you've got some of that that you did beginning back in caps and trying to work through that. But uh, Connor, it's uh, it's been great to connect again. Uh, I'm going to send people your way, connect with you on LinkedIn. As you said, that's a, you never know. You know, you that, never know where things are going to connect in, but I appreciate you taking the time today on your uh, worldwide debut podcast uh, <laughs> first ever. So it'll be the first one, but not the last for you, I'm sure. I, I hope not. And Nate, thank you very much for your time today. It's been awesome. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.